0: Welcome to another episode of the Unapologetics podcast. Today we have, of course, the Mona Lisa of all human beings, Christopher Paulson. It's and because end, it's because I'm actually smaller than you think. I'm only uh, I'm only two foot four. But a masterpiece of all humanity. And on this end, we have a trash bin, Jackson Pollock, Vito McKenzie. So, but it was thrown in the trash bin back in the day. Someone found it and got rich off of it. You try too hard, Chris. You try I, too I, hard. I, yeah, I Let's was, move on. We got, we got a, a great show today. We actually have three amazing people with us right now. And their stories and why we brought them on and why they're here to talk to us. It's just... We're gonna to get to that in a second of why this is so gonna be so much fun. So today we have Regan Morris, Tegan Jamis, and Sarah Reed. and Chris, if you want to give the audience a reason why they're here today and what's uh, what their story is.
1: Well,, uh, thank you so much, Vito, for that lovely introduction. And I'm so happy that we have these three young ladies with us today. Because they are future teachers. These are all young people who are currently in a bachelor of education program. Uh, They are all in Alberta. uh, But these are people who graduated high school and decided, hey, I kind of like that. And they are going to be jumping in and Becoming the next wave of teachers. And I think it's really important that on our show that we don't just talk to people who are in the field, people who have gone through the field, but it's really important to know what's coming up. And uh, these are three people that I know personally, and that when I found out that they were going to be teachers, I was you know, I was through the through the moon. I was I was so happy to hear that. And so I really kind of wanted to we want to bring them on because we want to hear their stories. We want to hear what they're about. We want to hear what makes them
0: tick. And we want to hear really, you know, what their plan, what they plan to do. And because this is the future of education. And if you know them personally, then I know we are in good hands. So I'm excited. Let's uh let's start. Let's start.
1: So uh Team, we're going to be going through, and, and it's okay if we step on each other's words and stuff. There is quite a lot of us on the call here today. But the first thing I want to know from all of you, and whoever wants to start first can start first, is tell us who you are. Tell us your story. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you're into. Tell us, you know, what you know who are you? Because that's really important when it comes to teaching. You know, we've talked a lot on this podcast, and, and Vito and I in our personal lives, about not wearing a mask when you're a teacher. And so we want to know who you are. So uh, why don't we jump in? Because this is how it goes on my screen. Let's start with Regan. Regan, tell us a little bit about your story. Tell us who you are. Tell us what you like, all that fun stuff.
2: Yeah, first I want to say, don't wear an emotional mask as a teacher, but please, right now, wear a real mask as a teacher, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But as for me, um, I'm in my second year now of my Bachelor of Elementary Education. I don't want to teach the absolute little ones. I kind of have managed to romanticize middle school, which is really surprising considering that I had a really horrible time in middle school. Um, but that's why I want to teach it. I want to go into this with a compassionate lens. Um, I think the reason why middle school was so bad for me is because I'm gay. So that's also a reason why I want to be a teacher. Um, I think that if I can be, safe place for at least one student, then I will have done my job correctly, regardless of the marks that come out of my classroom. Um, As long as those children know that it's okay to be themselves, then um, I'll be proud of what I do.
0: But Regan, I think that's amazing because when it comes to middle school, most teachers fall into that grade. They either wanted to teach high school or a younger grade, and they end up in middle school because nobody really wants to initially go there so kudos to you i think that's amazing and building that relationship with students is a hundred percent what you do in that grade i was there for three years and i can tell you that goes further than any academics you could teach them so that is amazing good on you
1: so tegan uh tell us tell us your story tell us what makes you tick tell us who you are tell us what you're into and uh you know give us the lowdown on you buddy okay
3: uh, well, I'm Tegan, and I'm also in my second year of my elementary education. Um, I decided really late, like I decided almost halfway through my grade 12 year that I wanted to become a teacher, which I think is usually later than, <laughs> than most people, but I grew up... <laughs> i <I'm> just 25. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, how, how many degrees was it, Vito, until you decided to be a teacher? So many degrees, the oven can't even keep track, but keep going, Tegan. I don't want to interrupt.
3: For sure. Um, yeah, and growing up, I, I grew up the oldest of eight little siblings. So I've always been around little kids and I've always been, you know, thriving in a sea like just I'm always dealing with little kids all the time, and I really enjoyed it. And and sometimes I enjoy having conversations.
1: The little um, con conver- I know about those little conversations, Tegan. I uh, I started my career teaching grade three, four, five. And the conversations I had, I remember having an in-depth conversation with a little boy about how he liked to call full-grown dogs puppies, but puppies (laughs) doggies. And it was like a good 45-minute conversation where that was the whole thing.
3: Yeah, that's just my absolute favorite. My youngest or my third youngest sibling, Cassidy, has just like this crazy imagination. Like me and my family like to do a lot of hiking and we were on a hike this summer and it was about a two and a half hour hike. And for most of it, she told me about this creature called a kokaroo and all the different types of kokaroos and that you could eat kokaroos and what kokaroos eat, which is cereal. And it was just like, I'm just so fascinated by little kids and their imagination and stuff. And I just want them to have an environment where they can grow and, and keep and feel comfortable with their imagination. You know?
1: I love that. I love that a lot. Uh, kokaroos aren't a real thing. Absolutely. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah, that's That's wonderful. Uh, I think it's so important at that young age that, uh, you know, young people are given the opportunity to use that imagination so that it doesn't get lost. And Sarah, tell us all about you. Tell us what makes you tick. Tell us who you are. Tell us what you're into. Tell us, uh, you know, what you're what you're what you're thinking of uh, doing.
4: Hi, uh, I'm Sarah, um, and I am also, we all graduated together, so I'm also in my second year of education. I am a student athlete. I was a student athlete last year, and then this year it's kind of hard because of COVID, so it's definitely a lot on my plate for the first year, but it's a lot of fun. Um, It keeps me busy, and I feel like when I become a teacher, I'll always be on the go and gets me going, you know? Uh, but yeah, I'm also in the ESA, the Education Student Association. So, like me and Tegan are, um, so we get to be involved like directly and like with the ATA and stuff. So it's it's nice to have insight on what's going on before we're actually there, like from professionals and people who aren't teaching and people who are. So
0: it's well, you know, Re- Regan, you've already alluded to one of the reasons why you got into teaching, and we're just gonna open it up, open the floor here. Why did the three of you pick teaching? Like, what was it that called you to that? why did you stick with it considering the fact that you know it's a tough profession it's a rewarding profession and i'm sure in your bachelor's of education you've been empowered but also been kind of told these are the realities so tell us just open floor why why teaching
2: yeah i didn't pick teaching at first (laughs) up until uh march i think it was of um my grade 12 year, I was enrolled at McEwen to do, um, a bachelor's of biology, a bachelor's of science in biology. And then, um, I was shortlisted for the TD scholarship. Um, and one of the emails was like, apply to your dream program. And I grew up in Nova Scotia before I moved to Alberta. And I always wanted to be a teacher when I was growing up, but that's not realistic in Nova Scotia. There are so many unemployed teachers on the East coast. Um, that every teacher when I was growing up and I I was like, I want to be a teacher. Anytime that I said that to one of my teachers, they would uh, be like, no, you don't not here. So it wasn't a reality. And then, um, after I got shortlisted for this award, they sent us an email saying like, apply to your dream program. So I was like, okay. Um, U of A has a really reputable ed program, I guess I'll apply to that. And if I'm more happy about getting in there, I guess I'll go there. And I was a lot more happy than I was when, um, I was on the path to become an epidemiologist, but right now I'm kind of wondering if that was the best decision to make. Um, But yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll always
3: need teachers. So,
0: Tegan, go ahead. You you look like you're ready to speak there.
3: Um, uh, From DH twelve, I was enrolled in the Air Cadet program, which is a I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's
1: um, give us a little give us a little insight into Air Cadets, please.
3: So Air Cadets is mainly, it, it focuses on improving fitness within the youth and um, volunteerism and being involved in your community and and really encouraging leadership in our youth. And the Air Cadet program really encourages cadets leading cadets. And so by like my third year of cadets, I was already learning how to teach classes and make lesson plans and, and learning about the different types of, of learners and how to accommodate to them. And I always found it really interesting, especially since most classes aren't tailored to um, kinesthetic you know visual learners like I am and so I found it really fun to get to know my my students and cadets and and really make my classes for them. Um, and what really made me like fall in love with the teaching process was just while I was teaching interacting with the students and helping them get to their goal you know like there's always a goal to a class but helping the the student find their own path to that goal I always found really rewarding
0: and Sarah
4: uh well I've always seen myself as like a teacher like I I didn't want I didn't know I was going to teach until grade 11 but like I've kind of always seen myself like wanting to do that you know like in grade school um but like I mostly want to make a positive influence on um, the teaching community because like I did in my grade 12 year, I did um, Saints with Sarah in my religion class and I got up in front of all my peers and I sang the like, oh, when the saints come marching in song. <laughs> and I told, I taught them, which like religion, some people don't believe or like don't want to talk about it. Right. So I got up in front of all my peers knowing like they might not listen to me or want to listen to me. And I told them about a saint and I loved it. So yeah.
0: that's it. You got hook. You got the, the bug right there. Yeah. And that, that was your grade 12 year.
4: Yeah. Sure
0: wow. Was. That's, that's, that's heavy. And I, and what I love about your three stories is they're very different reasons to get into teaching and Absolutely. you're, you're all inspired in different ways. Uh, you're empowered to do it. You always felt you needed to do it. That's, that's amazing. And I, and I love that. And I think it's really important to see
1: that, um, how that bug hits you even though like you're kind of like on this, this, this journey together, but separately how that bug hit you came in very unique and personal ways too. Like, I think that's such an important thing to, to remember that it like we talk all the time about this concept of like teaching as a vocation, not as a job. And I think like, you know, the future teachers we're talking to here are quite literally illustrating, Hey, this is how it came to me you know, this is, this is how it came to me. So this is how I'm going to be different. And I guess that's, that's like my next question for the three of you. And and I guess we'll start with Sarah this time. Um, but, but what's going to make you unique, you know, and when you're, you're thinking I'm, i want to be this teacher now and you're two years into your, into your B ed program, what, what's going to be unique?
4: Well, I want to, interview- and I
1: know that's a hard question to ask
4: yes um i want to let kids know that learning can be fun like learning and education is not just like this burden like oh i have to go to school i have to get it over with like i just want to get my diploma and move on like you can have fun learning and you can expand your mind so much so and it can be fun to do that you can want to learn more i want to i want that and i also want like every student and every child that like comes into my room to know that like you are unique and you are different and i will accept that and i will embrace you for who you are right so i don't know that's about it
0: i love it Uh, that's good because every student in that class wants to be accepted on some level that they do they really do so that's that's awesome uh tegan
3: um i just really want to be able to make my students feel like comfortable and accepted because i don't think a student can really retain information or ask the questions they need to ask unless they're comfortable in the classroom or even if a student doesn't come to school with a full belly or they don't come in with the night, the right mindset, I want them to be able to come into the classroom and forget about what's happening at home or outside of the classroom and just be able to learn comfortably and feel comfortable asking questions or anything like that. So I just want to be that approachable figure and adult in a student's life if they need it. No, for sure.
0: (laughs) A trusting adult. I think that's what we call that, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. And uh, Regan, what about you?
2: Um, I want to bring some more truth to the table. I just kind of want um my class to talk to all the other middle school classes and be like, "Oh, your class was boring about this subject. Well, I learned about this, this, and this, and kind of go at it at a different approach, which will definitely be different."
0: And I love the fact that the different perspectives and not the same one. One of my favorite polls that went around Twitter was, "How old were you, or what grade were you in before you had your first black teacher?" and depending on what area you grew up in, the the, the results were shocking. For me, it was not until university. I I have never.
2: When I was in grade six, actually, my teacher um, was black. She was actually Viola Desmond's uh, niece. Um, And we rushed through our social studies curriculum for three weeks to make up the time to spend um, time learning on Black History Month. And then we took a field trip to another school like an hour away and did Black History Month trivia against another school. And I learned so much in that time that moving that's to Alberta- cool. skiing, yeah, It was so cool. We won, by the way. <laughs> and we all got medals and everything.
1: And that's what everything's about. <laughs> it's about winning. Okay.
2: It is. No, it's not. <laughs>
0: No, 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 it really, no, it really is. It really
2: yeah, is. Yeah, it is.
1: So I love it. We've talked about, you know, your catalysts to get in. We've got a little bit of a, like, how you want to be different. Um, do you want to give us some insight on, like, what's it like, you know, being a B. Ed. student? Uh, and, and this is, you know, regardless of, of COVID, you know, what's it like being a B.Ed. student right now? Like, do you feel like uh, you're being prepared? Do you feel like your eyes are being opened? I know, and I, I don't want to speak on behalf of Vito at all, but I know when I was in my B.Ed. program... You can speak
0: on behalf of me all the time. You are my <laughs> voice.
1: <laughs> and you mine. Um, But I know that, like, when I got in there from, like, day one, I was like, what? It's this much work? Um, I think I'm... I, 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 not for me, thank you very much. And I know there was a lot of eye-opening moments. And I know probably now, and we'll, we'll talk about this maybe later, um, in terms of like you know the university experience during a global health pandemic. But you know what was that first eye-opening thing that happened to you when you got into a BEd and when you started learning what it really means to be a teacher uh, in 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 public education? Um, let's let's start with my Tegan, Tegan.
3: Um, well, I was always kind of like I always understood like the the workload for the for the job, you know, like I always knew there was gonna be a lot of hours I was gonna have to put in. But one thing that really struck me was and and has obviously shaped my goal to be as a teacher, but how many you know signs I have to look out for and how many different, you know, I have to talk to all the teachers and find out like how much of a presence they have of each parent in their life in order to adapt their their curriculum to that, and I need to be watching for you know for students who are eating enough and are and are taking you're getting taken care of you know like not only am i going to be a source of education and and teaching them and preparing them for the world but like i also need to not to say i just have to care for them but you know no, that's i have not to be a, that responsible you're not you're,
1: that. not you're not wrong tegan you're not wrong at all um we have a whole episode on on, on do you have to care um and I think I think what you're saying is is saying some profound truths because if you look out into a classroom and all you see is brains you need to fill with knowledge, that that's gonna be problematic. Um you can't even just see people. You need to look out and see, you know, there's Vito, there's Tommy, there's Jennifer, and and that's huge. Um it's huge and it's heavy. It's it's a heavy burden sometimes, but a burden that you know the people who can who can handle that burden. You know they handle it with grace. Yeah, Sarah, how about you, Bud? Um, you know what was that first eye opening moment?
4: Well, um, the first like as my experience, like in my first year, it was like I knew it was going to be a lot of work and I was going to have a lot of courses, but it was like it hit me right in the face, like how different school is from college or like university, like. I, my most important thing that I've learned is time management, like the hardcore, (laughs) like you need to manage every single little thing in your, in my life. I have to, um,
0: does that scare you?
4: (laughs) No, well, a little bit, but it, um, it works out in the end, I guess (laughs) it's worth it, but no, it's, it's definitely hard. Like they told us there's a couple of PDs and they're like, if you have a student coming in and like critical condition and your other students are like your, their brain is ready and they're ready to learn. I like, if I teach every student, that student that's in critical condition, like they didn't eat or they are not ready. They're having an episode or something like that. They are not going to get anything that I said. And so I need to somehow with my teacher abilities, get every single person on the same brain level so that they can understand what I'm saying to them and take it in and like learn and not just memorize and repeat, you know?
1: absolutely transformative teaching and being aware of everyone in the room. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's another, I think that's a really tricky one too. Uh, and, and you talk about critical condition, um, that, that's a, that's a tough row to hoe. It, it really is. Um, being able to manage your time, being able to manage, um, what you need to accomplish while also managing the needs of someone in critical condition, for sure. What an eye-opening experience. How about you, Regan? What's, uh, What's that first eye-opening moment about, like, the teaching profession? Ooh.
2: <laughs> um, I haven't had anything eye-opening, like, oh, teaching profession. I feel like I kind of laid out my expectations to be pretty reasonable. I guess what Tegan was saying about duty of care is actually, that was actually probably something that impacted me as well. Um, we talked about the Netflix documentary, The Trials of Gabriel Fernandez, Um, in my class, which if you're not familiar, follows the story of a young man named a young boy named Gabriel who, um, died at the hands of his parents from abuse and his teacher was trying to, um, get it handled. She was reporting it to her principal, but, uh, the principal wasn't seeing the child and in the state of California, you just have to report it to your principal and then your principal takes it from there. You can't intervene anymore. Um, so that's gonna be really hard.
0: And you always hope for the best, and, and that that is a scary thought. And the political landscape is is always going to be changing. So yeah, opening moments, a lot of things to worry about as teaching, and, and especially since I think you nailed it right there. I, I didn't get into this for the benefits. I can't, I got into this to for the for the students to show compassion, to show care, and I think you know all three of you like that. That's what you've hit upon, and that's why teachers get into what they do. And unfortunately, the public doesn't always see it that way, and that that's that's just going to be a tough thing that you got to keep coming back to. And so I'm, I'm glad you've had that eye-opening moment already. Uh, but let's 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 switch gears for a second, and this is the fun part about having young, fresh, new teachers full of ideas. I would love to hear because ideas—that's
1: you know, an interesting way of pronouncing the word terror.
0: you know i'm I'm getting old right so and and sometimes i feel like i'm going very stagnant so i want to hear from you what's one idea you you got your classroom it's yours now you're you're teaching whatever you want to teach the grade you want to teach students are in front of you what's one idea you'd really like to implement in the classroom what's one thing you'd like to see like i just i'm i really want to hear this from you
1: I'm really excited about this one, too, Uh, especially having, you know, knowing these these three young people. um, If Vito and I, you know, if our if our children end up in your class, what's what's the thing that's going to be the idea that's like, wow,
0: look at that.
1: I'm really excited.
2: This might sound a little bit silly to say, but every single teacher that I have known has not wanted to teach sex ed. However, really, um, I think it's a very valuable topic. Every single teacher I've had, yep. I remember in you,
1: you mean in kind of your your middle school, or yeah. like, do you mean like I was in math class and she just wouldn't teach that? <laughs> you know, like you know what I mean? Uh, no, yeah, kind of that, that, group that you wanted to teach,
2: yeah. So I think that it's going to be very crucial for these kids to understand everything that is happening, including changes that are going to come to their mental health, which is more normal than they think. Um, and physical changes as well. I don't want to shy away from that as a teacher, as awkward as the conversation is going to be. And it's going to be awkward for them in the moment too. But then five years later down the road, they're going to be like, Oh my God, thank you, Miss Morris for teaching me that everything about my life is normal. Um, and that doesn't, sound like brave or anything when i say it no
0: you know no you're 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 spot on especially in middle school a lot of teachers shy away i loved it i went right for it and it got really awkward when we did a whole class on pornography because well you saw a lot of students just kind of bow their heads when when we talked about it directly because you laugh a bit then they're like oh no he's he's really going for it um
2: and and i feel like before that my kids need to trust me they need to know that what i'm telling them is for their best interest I'm not just putting you through this to be embarrassed. So I feel like I need to stress self-compassion and caring for those around you up until that point. So that when I'm the one telling them this, they're like, okay, this is somebody who cares about um, me as a person and cares about where I'm going to end up and what it, things influence me. So I'm going to actually listen to what she's saying.
3: Um, I think one thing I really hated about like middle school and high school, and, and I'm going into elementary, so it'll be a lot easier to do this rather than in high school, but I hated lecture style classes things that were just like not personal like I couldn't relate to it at all I couldn't you know and that's something that you really do Mr. Paulson, is that you um you you integrate personal stories into like all of your lessons so that there's there's some sort of emotion or something that that the the student can really gravitate towards too and I really want to change my style of teaching into um something more interactive something they can actually enjoy doing instead of just taking notes and just you know and and that'll be hard with like obviously like the math classes and stuff like that but i just want every student to be able to relate to what i'm saying in the class and see real life examples wait wait, hold (laughs) on a
0: second were all three of you in mr polson's class sarah wasn't sarah wasn't okay okay um, I was going to say, cause Mr. Bolson's legendary on that regard. <laughs> oh, like, like legend. uh <laughs>
2: No, I tried to switch out Vito. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I, I, you know, just jumping off from what Regan said into what Tegan said. Um, yeah, you know, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. Um, and, and I want to ask you about this after, um, But that emotional component is crucial to teaching because you're not, you're not teach bot 2000. You don't plug into the wall at the end of the night, you know, you're making connections that are and can be life or death, you know, and, and, and that's, that's a heavy thing to say, but it's true. Um, And as a parent um, and as a teacher, I think the emotional connection is, is absolutely crucial. Um, As a parent, I want somebody who actually gives a damn about my kid to the point that they know who they are. And I love, like, it makes me so happy when my kid comes home and wants to talk about his daycare teacher. Um, And I think you don't do that when you cut off that emotional component. So I think, Thank you so much for, for that ambition. And, uh, amazing. Um, let's jump into Sarah, Sarah. So, you know, little, little Jude McKenzie's in your class. How's it going to be, how's it going to be different?
4: Well, I recently, I've been looking into a lot of like, um, open style seating and I feel like a lot, like I never had that. Like, and I know it's kind of newer concept, I guess.
1: Can you just kind of give us a little brief on open style seating?
4: So like instead of, well, cause you can have desks, like you can have like one or two desks for the students if they want that, but you can like, instead of having traditional, like 30 desks in my class and 30 chairs, like you sit and you watch me teach the entire time. I'll have like beanbags and like desks like on the bot, like on the ground kind of thing. And like, you can choose where you want to sit. You can choose how you want to learn from me kind of thing. Like I, I'm not t- controlling every single part of your learning experience. You can pick how you want to sit and watch me teach you kind of thing.
0: Choose your own adventure. Yeah, exactly. Flexi- flexi- flexible seating is another term I've heard for that, and I've, yeah. I've seen that re- implemented really well. And in fact, my administration at my previous school really pushed for that as well. Uh, of course, budget always comes into play, but that—that's that, that, that's really cool. Like, I, I like that because then a student can come into class and feel comfortable, and. Yeah it's not this awkward, where am I sitting? Who am I sitting beside? And oh, is there a seating plan? And, you know, maybe I just want to peace out on the beanbag chairs today. I, I need that comfort. And once you create that space of comfort, then you open up the world to them at that point, they can start trusting you. That's, that's awesome.
4: Yeah, no, for sure. Like, I don't want my kids to come in and be like, I don't want to sit beside Jenny today because, you know, I don't like her or whatever. Like, I don't want them to have that issue because I had that issue all the time where I was so scared that these people sitting beside me didn't like me and I couldn't become friends with them. Like it was the worst feeling. So like, I don't want my kids to feel that at all. But they, like still throughout the time, they'll get to know each other and they'll become friends and there won't be that issue in my class because they'll be comfortable with me and with each other, so.
0: Absolutely. And and one advantage of that is I, I have never had a seating plan. Just, I, I just don't care. And I always let students, and students, end up claiming their space anyway right and what what i discovered with that is they they usually end up sitting in the same place every day but then what happens is you start to notice that if they move places you know something's going on be like why are you sitting by yourself today what's happening what's you know i notice you're not sitting beside your usual friend and that that just opens up doors so it's 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 a really i I like the idea some people don't I, i like the idea
1: and honestly, Sarah, you speak. Uh, I think that ties right together with your, you know, being able to notice people at, at a critical state. Um, the difference between a hardback chair and a ball can be absolutely, uh, absolutely miles for somebody who might be on the spectrum and just needs something different. Um, it might be absolutely miles for someone who's who's worked up, and the difference between a beanbag chair and a hardback chair can be huge. Um, so I think that's really cool. I think that's some, those are, those are some really cool, uh, kind of walking into your classroom first day. It's yours now type of, type of ambitions and goals. I think, I think it's crucial to have those types of, uh, those types of goals. Um, I guess where I want to jump off now. So we've, we've talked about how you're going to be different. Um, what is is there anything you know at this point in the game you have a year under your belts you're in your second year you have your ambitions you have the people who have influenced you and you're going to pick and choose and make things your own is there anything you're a little nervous about is there anything you're a little scared about is there anything you you would wish to get some advice about like uh, as we go into this um we started with regan we started with sarah let's jump into tegan is there anything that's kind of making you nervous about this whole um, oh my goodness, I'm going to be a teacher. I know. And hey, guess what? Um, everyone has been nervous about it. I stood outside of my very first classroom for an extra 10 minutes waiting for a student who wasn't coming because I was like, if I go
3: in, it's real. Um, I think what uh, really scares me is not being able to like get through to some of my students, you know, not really like like not being able to understand what their needs are and maybe them not also understanding what their needs are. But I guess that also, like I'm excited to be able to work through those kind of things with my students, but I'm scared that there's not going to be a solution that I can find, you know, and be able to get that, that kids through the grade or, oh. or through that subject.
0: Vito is,
1: is she just like hitting like a nail on the head
0: right there? Or what? <laughs> you, you know what? And this, we could do a whole episode on just that, what you said. And especially teachers literally burn out oh. trying to reach those students. They, they do. And that is a completely legitimate concern and fear. And it does keep you up at night. It really does. And and so that that's great that you've been able to identify that. And you just, you try to do everything you can. And you know what? And it, we talked about this in a previous episode, Chris, where you don't celebrate anything till the very end. That student does notice. They won't tell you that year. They might not tell you the next year. They might not tell you to 20 years later, but that student does notice that sure. you did everything you could. And it's so hard to see in the moment because you don't feel like you're reaching them, but you got to keep going. So awesome.
1: And it's good that you recognize it now because it's something that you're going to run into, you know, there's going to be the, 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 I just can't get through to her, you know? Um, yeah. And I think one of the huge components with that is like um, I, th- I think that in our profession, so often we judge ourselves by our failures um, where we're not in the business. We're, we're not in the business of getting paid by the grade. You know, we're in the business of inches uh, and that's something you really need to remember. I think that's so crucial. So, uh, Regan, what's something that's, like, making you a little nervous, a little a little scared about that classroom situation? You know, you're, you're there, and then there's a bunch of kids who are saying, hey, Ms. Morris, teach us stuff. And then do it for six hours. And then do it for ten months. Tell us what you're nervous about. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, yeah, I'm nervous about um, definitely nervous about middle school. Uh, Middle school is a very tumultuous time for young people. Um, they're gonna come to because I'm gonna open myself up to somebody they can come to when they're going to come to me. But what am I supposed to do when I have like 10 kids all coming to me telling me that they're depressed or that <laughs> they're experiencing suicidal <laughs> What do I do? And of course, that's you, Paulson. Sh- everybody did no, I shouldn't be you.
1: laughing. I shouldn't be laughing, but you're so that's so legit. That's so legit, Regan.
2: Because because at the end of the day, like I'm still gonna be experiencing personal issues myself. And yep. I ha- also have to make sure that I'm making space for myself so that I don't end up experiencing some of the um, things they're taking with them. And I have to use, I mean, I'm a student staff currently at U of A. So
1: what, what does uh, that mean?
2: Um, I run the LGBTQ non-academic cohort. So I do one active program, one passive program, and I'm a support person. Um, um, so I do two programs each month for um, around 100 residents. And it's to build community within the LGBTQ community within people in residence. Um, So like I've been trained in those people coming to me, but it's different. I'm not seeing them every single day. I'm not responsible for um, them getting home safely. (laughs) I'm not responsible for them necessarily at all. They have RAs, they're adults as well. But when it's a bunch of kids who are telling me that they, are exper- experimenting with drugs and alcohol or other risk behaviors. Um, and then I have to report it to their parents and they come back and they're like, Oh, Miss Morris, you ruined my life. You told my parents on me. What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to explain to them that I did it out of love and care for that um, child? Cause I know that it was definitely a hard conversation that yeah. will be my responsibility. Mm-hmm. Hey,
1: <sighs> again, you're hitting the nail right on the head. Um,
0: and know, what, and, and, one thing to keep in mind, like you, like Chris said, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. But the fact that you want to open yourselves up to your students, and especially with the LGBTQ plus community that you're involved with right now, and deal and opening that door with them for a middle school student who's kind of making this discovery for themselves to know that they can go to a teacher, a trusted adult, to say, Hey, Miss Morris, you know, I've been thinking a lot and i think i'm and they might start to identify and you might be the first person they come out to and that is like such a huge huge thing that you can create that safe space for them but you know you got to still keep Mm -hmm. keep that door open while still holding them tight like just be like yeah
2: oh and my aunt is a middle school teacher in Nova Scotia, and um, she's always been a very outward ally. She isn't um, a member of the LGBTQ community, but that's not a part of my life I'm planning to keep from my students either. Um, but she's had so many kids come to her and come out to her. Um, and she said that it's hard to know that they're going home and they're not getting the same acceptance. Um, so that'll definitely be a barrier for me because I, I think I will end up being the beacon that all the kids come to, being the gay teacher. Um, and at that time in your life, a lot of people do figure that out for themselves and to have a positive role model, I hope is going to help them, um, along in their journey, but, and I could talk about that topic for hours, but uh, I'll let Sarah talk.
4: (laughs) Well, um, Honestly, it's the parents because I've heard some like crazy horror
3: stories. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love
4: it. Me for a whole year with their little precious thing, you know, like I have to, you know, uh, (laughs) I don't know. Because I like they've told, there's some stories like some, like a dad would tell their child, like, oh, I don't like Miss Reed. no reason. I just don't. So she would go tell all her friends, Oh, my dad doesn't like Miss Reed, So I don't like her. Right. So then all the students will go around. Oh, I don't like her. Cause this person doesn't like her. And then it's like, I, am your teacher. Like I, you can't not like, me. well, that's the other thing. People aren't going to like you. Right. So parents might not like me. Students might not like me. Like Tegan said, I can't get through to everyone. Right. So I'm nervous for the raging parents that are going to come in and say that I'm saying crap to their kids. But
0: I, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head again. We have that—that that is a good reason to be nervous. And—and and what sucks is that this is this is such a small minority of parents, a small minority. Like I mean, small. Absolutely. But they but they're so vocal and loud, or they have a lot of influence, and therefore it feels like they're the ones that are overwhelmingly being heard, as opposed to the many positive. Uh, our neutral parents out there and students and people who are just like, you know, no, we, we like Miss Reed. She's fine. She's great. My, my student, my, my kid loves her. I don't know what your problem is, but it's that small minority that is so loud. And that's all you hear, especially
1: Sorry. in the, 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 those first years of your career. Cause if, if you guys are anything like me, my first year was just like, okay, when's principal coming in to fire me? Um, So, yeah, you're going to hear those – oh, you're going to hear those voices. But Vito eloquently said, my friend, uh, there's always
0: more positive voices. All right. And you just – you got to – it is a – like all these are just such legitimate things to be nervous about and things to be excited about. And it just gives me a lot of hope, Chris. I don't know about you, but this gives me a lot of hope for the profession to to see this energy and the – what, what i want to say here is the focus of your teaching all of you is on the student and they're the holistic student and their entire well-being not just filling their heads with knowledge and being like well i want to give an amazing lesson on to kill a mockingbird which actually a colleague of mine hates me because i told her she needs to stop teaching that with that book but that's a different story um and i love that i love the fact that you are coming into this wanting the best for your students absolutely love it and
1: i want to just say too you know when i thought of this future teachers episode this future of teaching episode um i i was so uh it was so easy to pick people to ask um and, and one thing that I, I hope our listeners have have really noticed about this is, like, Sarah, Regan, and Tegan are so drastically different from each other in their backgrounds, in their passions, in uh, in the types of teachers they want to be. And yet every single one of them, you know, said something that made me say they hit the nail on the head, uh, you know? I, we have this wonderful 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 group of young people who are coming up that i'm so proud to someday be able to call my colleague um so wow like just congratulations to to these future teachers um i think i want to know one more thing though i want to know i want to know what are you excited about you know what is the thing that's just like making you champ at the bit to say i want to get there that's Simon.
2: That that is Simon. Simon he's very no. vocal.
1: Um, he's vocal for local. Shop local. Um, I want to know what is the thing that's making you just be like, Yes, I can't wait to get in there. Um, I know Vito and I uh, we're so uh, similar in how we do things, and sometimes I get caught up in my own head about like the the Poulsen method and stuff like that I want to know just you know what's making you excited about this adventure you're about to take Sarah what's making you excited
4: well I honestly I I, it's kind of you know basic but I just can't wait to start like I can't wait to actually say I have a degree I am going to be a teacher like I I am a teacher right I just I cannot wait to get in there and this is my class. These are my students this is me you know I owning it but, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm really excited. I'm excited to build relationships and like a lot of like the first year, like I'm, we just started second year. Right. So I'm not too sure yet, but the first year was a lot of theory, a lot of different types of like how your brain types, how like everything, single type of thing you could think of theory. Uh,
1: just, just a quick heads up. As soon as you're in the classroom, you're going to go ahead and throw all that in the garbage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: I haven't learned any of that. <laughs> yeah, <my goodness. laughs>
1: so no that's awesome. You're just excited to own it. You're excited to be there. You're excited to get there. And, and you know what? I think that's amazing cuz you have really uh, expressed to us tonight some some pretty some pretty serious like nervous uh, things to be afraid about and yet you're still that excited. I love it. Uh Tegan, what's the thing that's you're just like super pumped about to get in there? What's that thing that's driving you?
3: I just, I can't wait to like talk to the students and to the kids. Like I love having conversations with little kids. I said it I when know. I introduced myself, it's, it's so fun. And I just can't wait to have those like educational conversations and, and normal conversations to be able to greet my students at the beginning of the day and give them a air high five and, and, you know, be able to greet them and be able to be that, that, you know, cause I really wish I had, that teacher in, in like grade seven when I was going through a hard time at home who could like, you know, I just couldn't wait to talk to, you know.
0: Oh, Teagan, oh, just amazing. Just just to be there, to be like, I am excited to see Miss James today because I'm going to tell her all about this drawing I made about a squirrel instead of a tire held up by a hot dog. Like,
3: mm-hmm. that, yeah, that had, is
0: exciting. That's yeah, physics. When
3: I was teaching cadets. I had this one... Cadet, and he was always so quiet, and he he always looked like he just hated his life. He, he was upset all the time until you went up to him and you asked him how his day was, or like what he did over the weekend, and he would just light up and just talk for for ten minutes straight about like playing Minecraft, you know. And he just couldn't wait for someone to ask him, and he was always so closed off. So no one really did, and it, it was just like my favorite thing was to be able to go up to him and be like, "Hey, how was your weekend?"
1: Breaking
0: down walls,
3: mm-hmm.
0: building up people. Oh, need <laughs> I need you to do it. All right, Regan, what's getting you excited? What's got you pumped? What's getting you to just put your hands in the air?
2: I can't wait to have my first student come out to me and then for them to graduate and be like, Miss Morris, thank you very much for showing me that the only gay people in this world aren't um, billionaires or fictional characters or overly sexualized stereotypes. Thank you for being someone real that I can see and uh, show me that I am a human, um, which is a bare minimum thing, <laughs> but it's not, it's not universal. And um, whatever school I'm at, it's going to be universal. So
0: I love it.
1: Uh, I think it's about time for the and points. Um, they're different no from way. the one, they're different. Here's the Pulse and point takeaways from tonight. Um, yeah, don't worry. You all get a thousand Pulse and points. Um, I think that one of the things that I really took away from tonight, uh, Vito was that everyone has a catalyst and those catalysts are going to be different. Um, these wonderful young women, uh, they all shared something that sparked something. Um, and I, and I think that's something that is so brave to follow, um, whether it's, what is my dream job? Oh my God, I had this opportunity and I kind of liked it or, Hey, I'm kind of out there. I want to make a difference. Um, no matter what it is, it's, it's, it's important. It's big. And I think it really teaches us to kind of like open our eyes a bit in our lives, both as teachers and as just anyone who's reading this, cause everyone's going to have a catalyst. Um, you know, things are going to be difficult, uh, but we have the crew who's up for the challenge. Um, but most importantly, my big takeaway from tonight, Vito, and uh, this was one that, like I didn't know if I was going to have in the Pulse and Point takeaways or not. Uh, I kind of had to wait till the episode was over, um, but I think we're in pretty good hands.
0: Oh, We are in excellent
1: hands. We are in excellent hands. But more importantly than us being in good hands, I think the
0: the the students of the future in some pretty good hands. And we don't have to worry about education if this is the caliber of people coming through. So thank you, all three of you, for joining us tonight. It was a pleasure to speak with you, to hear your excitement, to hear your fears, to let the world know what uh, what's coming up in the teaching profession. So thank you for being on here. We really appreciate it.
1: We'll have you on again in another five years.
2: <laughs> can you have on during our first practicums? we can all just cry
0: <laughs> it'll be the tears episode you know what we can do that hey i the tears I, episode i'm i'm in
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you so much to regan morris tegan james and sarah reed who are with us tonight um Vito, I'll let you end it for us so eloquently as you always do.
0: Well, thank you. And I actually want to give a, a, this 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 week, start doing something different, just a sneak peek for next week. Chris Polson and I always joke about you know, being the best teacher in Canada and in the world. Well, folks, just wait till next week. We found one. We found it! <laughs> yes! Thank you for joining us this week on the Unapologist podcast. Join us next week when we'll talk with great people, learn new ideas, and tell the story of teaching. As it happens. This is Vito and Chris signing off.
1: The Unapologist Podcast.